episode 43 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Should you give yourself a little? Radio team, welcome along to episode 43 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, it's been a big month for me and it's it's, it's been a big month for a few reasons. Um, my book is coming out, it's been delayed, um, it's a bit funny really, so if you're in New Zealand right now, I'm sure you would have heard of the book Dirty Politics. So there's been we've got our big election happening in New Zealand in about two weeks from now, and a book that came out around about two or three weeks ago is a book called Dirty Politics. And Dirty Politics has been um, uh, and a very interesting insight into maybe some of the political th- games that happen within New Zealand politics. And admittedly, I haven't had a chance to read it, but it's definitely had a lot of attention in the public and my book was meant to be coming out around I think about the 18th of August and Dirty Politics got released the week early earlier than that and um and my publisher uh, is the publisher who published Dirty Politics and uh basically the, the attention and and you know all the resource that had to go into that book they kind of said that actually it's probably not the wisest time to put my book out while they're totally different types of books at the same time you probably want to wait till dirty politics dies down a little bit and also a lot of the uh as i'm discovering is when you do release a book you you get a lot of pr work done around it and they couldn't get a lot of pr work until mid-september so the book has been delayed until the release date of the 15th of september so you will be able to buy it on the 15th of september now, for those people in New Zealand, it's going to be in all you know all your bookstores. Um, you will be able to buy online as well. I'm not exactly sure for the people overseas listening to the podcast how you'll be be able to get hold of the book. I'm assuming you'll be able to buy it online. I'm just not sure exactly where that will be. I'm thinking that what they're going to do, it seems like what they're going to do is release the hardcover first, and then the ebook will come later on down the piece. So, um, what I'm going to do is. I'll probably do another podcast when the book comes out just to kind of let you guys know it's there and maybe share some thoughts on, you know, just some insight into the book. Uh, so, you know, be aware that the book is out real soon. And and if you are in New Zealand, if you could do me one favour, um, if you are, I do want to buy the book, and I hope you do. And, and admittedly, if you've listened to the show from day one, there's a, you know, you're probably going to get most of the lessons from this podcast from the book anyway. But... You know, there's something about momentum that helps to create success, and um, and I think what I'm talking about here is that if you can do well early on with a thing like some kind of media release, like a book, um, you know, it it tends to get attention, which then has a flow-on effect and can help it reach more people. And if you really believe in the work that I've done, and if it's helped you in any way, shape, or form, I'd really appreciate it if you could purchase the book kind of sooner more than later so that it gets a bit of that momentum happening and so hopefully you know you know the work that I do on the show and and the message that's behind everything that I do can help more people kind of learn to love exercise so uh, if you are in New Zealand get down to your wit calls or get down to your paper plus or, or you know get down to somewhere and just you know grab the book and you know have a read and hopefully it can help you reinforce a lot of the things you've learned from this show and take them to an either deeper level 
Um, I am going to be going, I always think, if this is the first time for you listening to the show, you must think I talk about myself a lot at the beginning of the show, which is, is kind of true every month. Um, I am going to go into the main part of today's show in a few minutes, but I thought I'd tell you a little bit about the experience of promoting a book. It's um, it's really cool. Again, I've been working with Craig, po- Craig Potton Publishing, and uh, we've got a marketing team and a PR team to get out me to get me out there. And so right now I'm doing a lot of the um, the promotion of the book and my PR person's organized um, some TV interviews, some radio interviews. And I've even managed to get in the New Zealand Women's Weekly magazine, which is one of the big women's magazines in New Zealand. It's actually probably the biggest women's weekly magazine in New Zealand. So I've been having a bit of a laugh about that because I never thought in my life I would be in the women's weekly magazine. So uh, they came around this morning, we got all makeup up and took lots of photos. So it should be kind of cool. Um, so yeah, so so that's the book. And, uh, and I suppose for you guys who have been listening to the show for a long time, is this show is a funny kind of a show because we kind of catch up monthly. And it is funny when you, you'll meet people who have just started listening to the show and they'll talk to you about things that have happened a few years ago. Um, I remember someone recently emailed me uh, and they just listened to the show that I did after the Christchurch earthquake and they were just saying, you know, it was interesting listening back on that now. And uh, it is quite funny, you know, you guys who have been listening to the show for a while have been a part of this book experience for me, you know, like it's actually through the show that I probably two factors really made me think that I could write a book. One was my writing ability improved, and that was through the opportunity I got by being a writer at the press newspaper. And then secondly, I basically through this show, I thought, well, there's enough there's enough good content in this show to be able to put a book together. So, uh, yeah, it's, and, and I imagine if you've been listening to this a while, you are a part of the experience of the book. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I get a lot, a lot of great feedback from you guys just saying that I'm doing the right type of work that's really helping. So um, thanks for that. Just one thing before I get into today's show, if, if you are a fitness professional, um, I know I've got a lot of people who listen to the show who are either personal trainers or group fitness instructors or, or have some kind of job within the industry. I got asked to do a, a presentation for the Council of Personal Trainers, I think it was called, uh, of New Zealand. And they wanted me to do a webinar about a week and a half ago around how to be successful in the fitness industry. And, and I did think for a little bit about maybe putting it out as a podcast, but I kind of think it's such, it's it's a different kind of conversation that, um, than what, you know, than what this audience is about, you know, this audience is for, you know, for the everyday person. And so I, I decided not to put it out as a podcast, but if you want to go, if you are a fitness professional and you want to see my talk that I did on the career of a fitness professional, um, you can go to my website. I'll put it in this month's show notes for this today's podcast. So go to my show notes and, I'll, and there's a YouTube clip and you can either watch it or just put it on the background. It's audio with my slides that I was talking to throughout. So you go on there and you check it out and it hopefully can give you some insight. You know, like it's it's funny for those people who don't know much about the industry, the fitness industry is a very rewarding industry. The rewards you get are pretty massive. And, uh, you know, you, you make a difference in people's lives. You get um, a lot of esteem and respect and, and that from your peers. 
Um, you, you feel you're making a difference. You know, there's so many great things about the industry, but it's a, it's a tough industry to make a life in. You know, there's not a huge amount of money in my industry. Um, you know, a lot of people, while they get a lot of the rewards of the industry, financially really struggle uh, just because of the nature of my industry. In this talk, I talk about how uh, there's a young man I know who's in his early 20s and he's doing IT and within the next three or four years, he expects to be earning uh, at least $150,000. Well, in the fitness industry, that is very much kind of the top end for the majority of people in my industry. And so this talk kind of talks about, well, how can you have a long-term career in fitness? And I kind of defined it in two different areas that ultimately we need that financial reward. We we while the, to have those other rewards are really great, ultimately we also need to have a financial reward where we can have a, a lifestyle that is good, you know, that we can provide for our families and also have a lifestyle that we like. But also the other point of the webinar was to really promote the idea that ultimately as a fitness professional you want to have influence on your world. You you really want to feel that you're making a difference in the lives of the people who you touch in your life. And so the kind of the whole talk is very much about how do you get more influence and then how do you also make more income as you kind of move down this path within this fitness industry. So if you are interested in checking out that talk or the webinar, I'll put a link to it to this month's show notes and you can go on there and watch it. It's about 45, 50 minutes long. And again, you don't really need to watch the slides. You can if you want, but it's something you could probably have in the background when you're working away on your computer. Anyway, um, I've got a couple of emails I'm going to read out at the end of the show. Um, uh, today's show is, literally, I came up with it this morning. So I was going to do something else, and then uh, I had a session with a client this morning, which really got me thinking. And so I thought, um, I, need to, I need to do a show on this. So here we go. Let's put some music on, and let's get into today's show. There's some kind of themes that come across in this podcast a lot over the years and um, it's funny, you know, like it is it is when you become, it's one thing I've learned about myself is uh, I, when you when you become times maybe a bit of a, a person who promotes ideas, I'm, where am I going with this? This is probably not the best start to a podcast I've ever had. It was interesting, a few years ago I, I really realised that, um, that in my fitness career, that I needed to shift away from a place where it was very much about my physical being the thing that I sell, and um, and uh, you know, and you see it a lot in the industry. You see these people who use their image as their main mechanism for selling um, their brand and uh, maybe products around their brand. There's, there's one person I know in particular who I think of right now, and this is a girl who's um, extremely fit and has, has an amazing body and uh, you know spends a lot of time promoting her body in a way to build an audience and and she's done really well and she's built a nice little income alongside that and um and there's nothing against that but for me I always think that if I'm if I were I, I probably could have chosen if I wanted to to be um someone who promoted image a lot more um but I, I determined pretty early on in career that the thing that I wanted to promote was more uh, growth through through the mind and, and early on in my career a lot of that was around 
the physical things that I would do. You know, when I was doing triathlon, I would do these extreme amounts of exercise. And while a lot of that was about my personal journey, I also understood that that really helped me have more of an influence on the people who I was in front of. One of the interesting things about being a fitness instructor when I became an Ironman was uh, I teach RPM classes, which for those who don't know much about Les Mills is like a spin class, you know, one of those bike classes that you have at gyms. And um, before I became an Ironman, you know, I was always perceived as a pretty hard instructor. And, um, you know, but it was really fascinating to see how the people who were in my class changed how hard they worked once the perception of me had shifted um, into seeing me as an Ironman. And uh, and so in some ways, as much as my Ironman journey was, was really ultimately driven from my own personal growth, really the, the fascinating thing I got from it was that how much other people perceived me and how I could use that in a really powerful way. So for example, when I was teaching those RPM classes slash spin classes, I, I started to understand that people wanted to actually be a part of my my training experience. And so when I was teaching those classes, I would often, you know, talk about my hard training days. And you, you'd know, you know, I talk about how yesterday I went out for a six-hour bike ride and there was this really tough moment and I was having a race against another guy and he beat me and, you know, how was I going to deal with this? And there was this motivation that I was able to get people to by sharing my experience around that. So very early on in my career, I, I I always knew I wanted to be about helping people with the mind side of exercise, and one of my ways of, of building that influence, which I actually talked about a little bit earlier on in the podcast, was for me to achieve some massive physical goals. And then when I got to around, uh, probably around 30, and, and suddenly I got to that point in my Ironman career where I ultimately felt the growth that it had left for me was very small and I'd have to give up a lot of things that I ultimately weren't willing to give up to achieve that um, the idea of me flogging myself through you know big crazy challenges as a way to build influence probably wasn't a good strategy moving forward. And so at that time I really, I, I actually really remember thinking this and I remember just thinking to myself, in my future, I want to be build a life about being a, a person who spreads ideas. And um, yeah, and so from that moment forward, and that was when I gave up Ironman, so while I still to this day probably exercise a lot in comparison to the average Joe public, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a third of what I was back in, you know, five, six years ago. And so, um, but at that time, I did make this real conscious choice to be, how can I be someone who spends a percentage of my week where I actually make a living out of ideas. And, uh, you know, six years down the piece, you know, I kind of, a big part of my life is that. A big part of my life is creating ideas and spreading ideas and, and um, building business around ideas and, and really helping people grow through ideas. And uh, I think as for those fitness professionals who are using their image, the thing about images um there's a part of that that's just youthfulness that is hard to maintain. And uh, while I, I'm fortunate I, yeah, I have the six-pack abs, I'm not sure that I want to have to make sure I had to maintain that as a long-term strategy for my success. And what place would that take to me to within myself 
and trying to hold on to that. And uh, so it's it's one thing I think that as a fitness professional is as you move down your path, you know, ultimately you want to become that person who is more about an ideas person who can help people in other ways. This is a long way of getting to my point here. And my point here really is, is that when you do become an ideas person, sometimes you do get a little bit worried that you become a bit of a broken record because uh, ultimately I suppose there's this kind of file cabinet in my head of these experiences and and uh, these 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 lessons that I can share with my world and sometimes you do wonder if you uh, are repeating stories to the same people and, and all the rest of it and I do sometimes find that the people I some of my my um, the people I mentor um, sometimes I ask them have I told you the story because I may have told it to another client or stuff like that so um, and one of those stories that often comes up a lot is that the whole concept of, and I know I've talked about it on this podcast, is the whole concept of is being hard on yourself a good strategy for success. And and I know I have talked about this on a podcast, but I'll just recap. And 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 the thing that uh, like when I brought up my running business, my running business has been such a good thing for my development as a fitness professional because up until that time, I only ever dealt with fit people. And what it took to motivate them was something I knew really well. And then when I started my, my particularly my Get Up To Five product, I suddenly was dealing with people who had never been successful with exercise. And what it took to motivate them was a completely different thing. And one of those big lessons that I learned was that most people who are unsuccessful with exercise beat themselves up about exercise. Well, I don't know if I can say most, but a lot of people do. That they that they their self-talk around themselves is is horrible. It's 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 mean, horrible self-talk. And when they move towards exercise, that self-talk is it seems like it has one purpose, is to reinforce that you're going to fail, that you've always been a failure and that you can't move away from this thing. So even, it's probably not worth even trying, but even if you do try, even if you move towards the smallest step in a comfortable place, you you know, you created this, this mindset within yourself which just is there to reinforce how much of a failure you are. And uh, it's really fascinating because I, I don't, I, I really believe that being mean to yourself is not a good strategy for success. And you'll, you'll have a lot of people who think that I have to be hard on myself to achieve big things. And um, from my experience with working with all types of new newer people, is that one of the things that I, I give them is a sense of kindness and let them be easy on themselves. I actually had a run a, a few, about two weeks ago, and I had a, I had a talk to her last week. Um, this lady's probably maybe late 50s, maybe somewhere around that age. Um, and she would say that she's overweight. Now, I don't think she's that overweight, but she's probably a little bit overweight. And uh, and whenever I go up to her, she instantly comes to me with almost like a way out of her being a failure. So like a few weeks ago, I was just biking up to her and I was going to give her some coaching advice. And she comes up, and it was dark. That's what happened. It was dark, and um, 
And, you know, the funny thing about runners is, as a coach, you kind of get to know people's running style. So even let's say I'm driving down the road one day and I see one of my runners and I see them from behind, I'll often know who that runner is because you come and tune people different styles. And this lady was running long and it was getting quite dark. So I couldn't really see the face of the person, but I could just tell by her running style um, who it was. And, and I kind of yelled out and said, hey, so-and-so. And I said, oh, I could I could tell by your style that, you know, that was you. And she, and she goes, oh, because you could tell it was the, the short chubby one. And the funny thing was, in my mind, that, was the, like, that wasn't a thought I had. I hadn't had that thought at all around this person. And if you were to ask me how I would describe this person, they, they would, you know, if I had to get to a hundredth thing to describe, maybe that's what it would be. But this person, you know, her personality, her, her character and all those things would be the things that I would describe in, in quite a positive way. And this, I've had a few experiences with this lady where, um, you know, she's, you know, she started with my zero to five group. So she's done absolutely nothing started running in probably somewhere around her late 50s and you know she's now I think she's up to about 14 k's and she's training to do her first half marathon in the next kind of 10 to 8 weeks like she's achieved some amazing things and uh and I remember another time I went up to her and um and I was just saying wow you're doing really well and she just said oh I'm just so slow and I'm just you know I just you know I'm you know I'm just not really getting anywhere and and I had to reinforce to her, if I were to get everybody in the country that was her age and get her to have a running race against them, she would probably be in the top 15 to 20% of people in the whole country. Like, actually, she's doing amazingly. But she has this mindset that is, that's almost like working against her and making her always see herself in the worst light. And so like last week, I actually went up to her and, and I pulled her aside and I just said, I, th- I think one thing that you need to develop in yourself is a way to be kind to yourself. And it's one of the things that I've learned a lot about being a mentor is um, I have some clients in particular who are extremely hard on themselves. And, and in this way I'm talking about here, they're extremely hard on themselves in a way that actually doesn't lead to success. Like when they're hard on themselves, it actually leads them down a path that takes them towards bad behaviors. And um, what I've tried to, you know, a lot of my clients, like I have clients who will email me every day with um, just an update on how they're going. Some people need that much, you know, kind of they need that kind of level of communication with me. And the really fascinating thing is, is that I'm often the kind person to them and when I'm kind to them it allows themselves to to get through it and uh, and what's so one thing I've really learned and again I've probably reinforced this message before but one thing I've really learned is actually being kinder to ourselves is one of the most important things we probably need to do in moving towards successful healthy behaviors in our life. Now this is one, I'm going to talk about one client in particular, and this is the person I had a session with this morning, and this person is a person who came to me a while ago, and um, and if I talk about being mean to themselves in a way to try and make them work towards good behaviours, this person had was the master of being mean to themselves. The way, the light they saw themselves in, um, the, the, the language they used to themselves, the 
the suppression, the, you know, it, it was, it was a very toxic mind space that they lived in. And uh, we knew that there needed to be a lot of work to be done to help them overcome this mind space, um, which actually, if we, you know, if we look at the flow on behaviors of that mind space, actually was a really bad place, you know, like, so because they were so mean to themselves, the behaviors that followed the, that meanness actually took them to a, a really dangerous place that, that actually led to some quite self-destructive behaviors. And so we were really thinking long and hard, you know, like it became clear early on that one of our goals is, is how do we shift this mind space to one which was a healthier mind space to move within. And and to be honest, at, at the first stage, we weren't really even trying to aim towards the mind space. We were more trying to adjust, shift away from some of those self-destructive behaviors that came with that mind space. But obviously, those two things kind of work together that, um, you know, you, you're not really going to change the behaviors if you don't work on the mind space. And so over this, this period of time, we worked really hard on shifting a lot of her mind strategies and a lot of the ways that she deals with some of the, the you know, the situations she's in in her life. And in doing that, we have, um, her mind space is, is, a, is a much different place. And uh, recently she, she had this moment where um, she went back to her old mind space. She had this kind of very, kind of short self-destructive moment where she went wayward. And she wrote me an email when she was in this place. And, and if you were to read this email, you would think, wow, how could someone say that about themselves? Like it was so mean and so, um, it would be something you would never say to somebody else. And, um, and, and, and this morning we caught up and, and, uh, and there, I've had that email in those last few weeks before we caught up this morning and we caught up this morning and it was, it was, it was really interesting because she, the good thing was, was, you know, she had this one kind of backward step moment and she was able to snap out of it and get back on track and, and done really well since that moment. So this morning we were actually kind of praising the place she was in based on the fact that she had this tough moment. And one of the things that came through this morning that was really fascinating was that while she had had this kind of this this kind of vicious moment to self, it it kind of rem- it showed how much she had progressed. Like if we went back to the you know I actually said to her in a session I imagine it would be really interesting to see um, if we you know if we could kind of have the person who you were when we started working together sitting next to you right now and to see to be able to experience the mind space you're in generally in your life right now you know, they would think that was an amazing thing. And, you know, this this place this person is in, because they've worked really hard on their mind space and, and strategies around keeping themselves in a healthy place, is, 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 is actually a much healthier place to be within. And while within the last period of time they had that one real kind of, you know, again, kind of vicious place, in some ways it helped them realise how much they had progressed. But one of the things that became really obvious was that this person never allowed themselves to enjoy 
the success that they had. They never allowed themselves to see how much they had grown and if anything it was always about I've still got so much further to go. I've still, you know, I'm still not there. I'm still, I haven't had my success. And because I haven't had the success, um, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of a failure. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some strategies we use of this person um, later on in the show, but it, it's, this, this really got me thinking. And, and the concept that really got me thinking about was this whole idea of how can you let yourself allow yourself to have your wins? How can you find ways to actually be able to own the successes you have as you move down your path? It's a really interesting thing. When someone gives you a compliment, what do you do? I say that again. When, when someone gives you a compliment, what do you do? Let's say someone gives you a compliment on, uh, I don't know, maybe how you look. Or a piece of work. Are you dismissive of them? Do you do you push them away? When they give you a compliment, do you um, make a joke out of it? Does it does it reinf- does it make you feel bad because it makes you you know like um, you know or maybe not bad, but does it make you feel you know? Do you then think? But then there's the other things to work on. Do you put a shield up against compliments? It, it seems to me that if we go back to this whole idea of that a lot of people are so great at being mean to themselves, that, that's, that's a really dangerous place to live in our lives. And if we're living in a place where it's really dangerous to live, it, it, it needs energy and, and time and, and work to move away from that place. But a part of you being able to do that is allowing yourself to own your successes, to enjoy and embrace the successes that you've had. And this is one of the things that I discovered, or that we discovered a few weeks ago with the same client I've been talking a lot about today, was um, we discovered that as a part of her to be successful, she needed to experience wins. And so we, we actually started this process. We kind of, um, uh, what we did is we basically, when she jumps into bed tonight, we we created an emotional state. So she put her earplugs in and she had to choose that favorite song that really got her driven right now. You know how you, right now there's that one song when you put it on, it just really gets you charged. And, and you know, that will last for three weeks. And then three weeks later, there's this, this new song that, you know, suddenly takes you over. And, and hopefully about a year from now, that one of those songs will be one of my band's songs. But um, I know, that's a pretty bad joke. Uh, but, you know, like w- what we're trying to do is get her to an emotional place where she feels quite emotionally charged. And so the whole idea is, you know, go to bed, put your earphones in and, and just find an, an emotional charge around your, you know, that puts you in that place. And then the next thing we want to do is for her to do a mind sweep of her day. And what we want to do is in that time she's doing mind sweep is to, to look for her successes, to look for her wins. 
Now, this lady has done an amazing job of making big shifts in her life that have, have, you know, like, again, if we think about the mindset she lives in, it's so much healthier, um, you know, in, in really, really massive ways. But it, it does take effort. It's not like, you know, that she just wakes up in the morning and all that stuff's gone. She actually has to do a lot of a lot of work to keep herself in this place. And uh, so, you know, like, it, in this moment when she lies down and puts this music on, it's about seeing those moments and allowing herself to enjoy and sit and own those moments. And the idea of doing this, and when we started doing this, I remember saying to her, look, I'm not sure if this is going to work. I'm going to chuck it out there, give it a try and see what happens. But I think there'll be real value the day that you're allowed to own your successes. And that doesn't reinforce that you're, you know, you've got so much further to go or that you're, you know, that you're never going to get there. If anything, just allowing yourself to sit in the moments where you own your successes. And what's been really interesting is that she's come back to me and said it's actually become this really nice thing in her day where she gets to bed, puts the music on, whatever that song is for her right now, and mind sweeps her day and looks for those successes and almost just allows herself to own them. And it's having a positive effect on her. Now, going back to today's session, the one thing that we've discovered ultimately is that while she's made so much progress as she's moved down this path, and, and again, this, this person's made some amazing progress, she's never allowed herself to have it. She's never allowed herself to see, well, that's probably unfair to say never, but she's never given herself the credit for the work and the and the gains that she's made. And the process we added was almost like allowing herself to give praise to herself and allowing herself to own that praise. Now, w- one thing I, we talked about in today's session was this whole idea of, well, now that you're doing this musical thing, how can you enhance that emotional experience as more as possible? How can you feel more proud of yourself? How can you feel more um, wise? How can you feel more excited? How can you feel more overwhelmed with you know good feelings when you're going into those things and you know that's that's where we're trying to evolve her to in the next place but I suppose the, the the real point of what I'm trying to get to here is if we think back to that whole idea of I'm not sure if beating yourself up is a good answer that leads towards healthy behaviors in your life then if you aren't allowing yourself to own the good stuff you do as you progress forward, does that then just take you down a further, you know, does it take you down a, a bad path? Or does it make it extremely hard for you to go stay on the good path for you? I remember years ago there was a weight loss drug, I can't remember, maybe it was called Xenical, I can't remember what it was called. And, um, you know, this is one of those drugs where, you, you know, it's for people who are over, mass, like massively overweight, you know, people who are extremely overweight. And, um, you know, this drug helped people lose weight. And I remember seeing an interview with the guy who invented the drug and he said, the biggest problem of people losing weight is you might have someone who needs to lose 50 kg and, uh, and they've lost 25 kgs. They're doing amazing. The behaviors are great. Everything's great but they still look at themselves and think, I'm overweight. 
when you move toward your success, are you not allowing yourself to own the successes that you're having? And is that actually making it harder for you to be successful? Because I imagine, if you're someone who does this, if you're someone who doesn't allow yourself to own your successes, so, you know, let's say you are that person who's 50 kg overweight and you lose 25 kg and, and all you're focusing on is, well, I'm still I'm still overweight and I've still got 25 kg to go and, you know, and, and you've got all this kind of beat yourself up, you know, I've always been, I've always been hopeless, I've always, I've never done this well, you know, and the one day you have a bad day, you'll tell yourself, yeah, see, I could never do this. Well, who was I to think I could do this? Whereas if we want to have success, if we want to do well, to me, it seems like it's a much better strategy to find healthy ways for you to to allow yourself to see your successes. It's interesting, Martin Seligman, who's the guy who's the big positive psychology guy, you know, he wrote a book, I can't remember which book it was, um... And it was an interesting book, but I, I was frustrated by it because there were no practical tools. And for a guy like him, I uh, imagine he's got a lot of practical tools that could help people. And this book was a lot of kind of insight, but not many practical tools around it. And um, and But one, one tool that he did say was, you know, writing down three things I did well each night is one, one thing that's been proven to help people move towards healthier places within their mind. That simple thing of writing down three things I did well every night. And it kind of goes back to what I'm talking about here. That by doing that process of stopping, thinking about my day, it's allowing yourself to sit and see your wins. So if, I, if I'm thinking about this and I'm kind of going, well, okay, that's, that's great. So if my main message of today is, first of all, my, one of my big aims in me trying to achieve any fitness or health goal is to find a healthy mind. And the one thing I need to start to become aware of is, is am I working against myself in that? Am I using negative self-talk? Am I being vicious? Am I, am I reinforcing why I'm a failure? As I move towards exercise, do I, do I you know, look for all the reasons why I'm going to fail? And, and, and as I start to discover these things within myself, you know, what are ways that I can uh, I can plan and, and preload and you know some of the tools I've talked about on this podcast? What are ways and strategies that I can shift that mindset? But then, as I progress, how can I allow myself to own the success of what I am achieving? You should feel good about that. You should be allowed to pat yourself on the back when you've achieved something. When you've achieved a small step in your growth, you should be able to have that moment where you go, wow, that's really cool. And I ultimately believe that if you do that, there's a higher chance you're going to be successful. Now, I understand if you've got to lose 50 kg and you've only lost five and you've got 45 to go, you know, the whole idea of packing yourself on the back may seem a bit odd because there's so much further to go in your journey. But if in that moment, if you go, you have done well, but... Where does that take you emotionally within yourself? Where does that take you? Does that take you to a place that, you know, but I'm, but I'm a bit of a failure and, and I've always struggled. And then where does that take you with your behaviours? What's the flow on effect with your behaviours of being in that place? Ultimately, I believe that being kinder to yourself actually leads to more success for most people in this world. 
Now, it doesn't mean, this is always a funny one, because it doesn't mean that there's, you know, to have some level of dissatisfaction at time can't be a motivator and all those types of things. I, I get that. But for the person who's being vicious and then never allows themselves to see the good, one thing I think that could be a really good thing for you to be working on is how do I allow myself to accept my wins? So if I think a practical application of this, the first thing we want to think about is is to notice where you go when you are given a compliment from others. You know, when someone does say, oh, you know, you're doing really well in this thing, or, wow, I really noticed you've progressed here, or, wow, it looks like you've lost some weight, or, wow, I can't believe you're running this far, or, wow, you're really into the gym right now. Where do you go in those moments? And if you know that you put up resistance in a way that blocks off you accepting what they are giving you, how can you start to remove that resistance down? So if you know that, you know, Bob comes up to you and he gives you a compliment and you know that ultimately you don't allow that in and you're dismissive and, and you maybe even put them, push them away in that moment. The first step probably is to go, how do I stop stop that from happening? So the first thing I'm going to do is when someone comes up to me and gives me praise, I'm going to allow myself to, I'm not going to allow myself to respond in a way that's negative. And if anything, the first thing I'm going to practice is just to say, thanks, I really appreciate that. Now, at first you may not be allowed to own that, but the, you are stopping that resistance that you put up. And then the next part might be that, okay, well, now that I've got to this point where I'm, I've said thanks, I haven't been dismissive, I haven't put up a shield, is then what emotional place can I take myself to to be allowed to own the praise that they are giving me? So Bob comes up to me again, wow, you're doing really well. Thanks, man, I really appreciate you, you doing that. Okay, so now, as he says that, how can I almost own that and, and tap into that to give myself a nice emotional high from that experience? Another thing you can think around at that time is, where is my year but? So, you know, if you do some pre-planning around this, uh, you know, let's say, again, it's the weight. So you've lost your 20 kg, you've still got 30 to go. Bob comes up and goes, wow, I can't believe how much weight you've lost. And, and you get to that point where it's, you know, you've learned not to, to shield it off. You said, thanks, I really appreciate that. You almost give yourself a bit of an emotional hit. But you notice that, yeah, but I've still got 30 kg to go. Now that's going to be one of those things that's going to push you towards moving away from healthy behaviours. So how do you avoid that from happening or how do you pre-prepare for that so when I say yeah but I know to myself I need to say yeah but no stop that I'm allowed to enjoy this moment sure I have work to do to get towards my goal but a part of me being successful is for me to allow to absorb this moment for what it is these kind of strategies are going to help you be way more successful in allowing yourself to enjoy your successes like it really does I've got a, I'm trying to hook up an interview right now for the show with a guy called Gilbert Anoka. And I imagine if you're in New Zealand, you'll probably know of Gilbert Anoka. He's the All Blacks um, head coach, basically. He's kind of the psychologist with the All Blacks. And he's worked with a lot of high performers in New Zealand. And he's actually agreed to come on this show. And I'm really looking forward to the interview. He was a volleyball coach of mine when I was at high school. And uh, he's a very, very successful man. And um, it was interesting. I managed to, to have a, a talk with the All Blacks coach a while ago. And he was saying how Gilbert Anoka 
uh, you know, created this culture within the team that was where each player become a little bit better. And then you kind of talk the strategies Gilbert used and, you know, the All Blacks managed to win the World Cup and he really put a lot of it down to some of these kind of mind strategies that Gilbert and Noka in, implemented with the All Blacks. And um, I'm really excited because Gilbert's going to be coming on the show real soon. And I know when I was a volleyball player, one of the big lessons Gilbert taught myself and our team was allow ourselves to own our successes, that we were too cool for school. And, you know, th- that's that's something you need to work on within yourself if you know that's the case. The second thing is, is, you know, the first kind of thing I talked about was, you know, the whole idea of external praise that you don't allow yourself to own. But the second thing that's really important is that whole concept of when am I allowed to give myself praise and how do I do it in a way where I don't do the year but to myself. And I think there's some really, some cool things that you can do around this. Um, there's, there's some ways that you can look at this. You, you can look at, Okay, well, let's say I want to lose some weight. I've, I've talked a lot about weight today, but I'll, I'll stay on that path. I want to lose some weight, and I really, really want to lose some weight. So, uh, you know, like, um, and I and I start a plan, and um, and I want to lose, let's say, ten kg, and I want to do it in a safe way. So, I'm going to aim for about half a kg a week. Uh, so, which means I'm, you know, I'm going to lose more body fat than muscle, and you know, so I aim to lose ten kg. Probably take me about twenty weeks. Okay, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set moments of praise within that journey. Um, I'm kind of pulling this out of the air as I'm talking about it, but the whole concept I'm talking about is markers along the way where I'm allowed to enjoy the success I've done without looking further ahead to the work that needs to be done. So you might determine, okay, well, within the next three or four weeks, I want to get down 2kg. So... When I get to 2kg, I'm going to have a moment where I'm allowed to enjoy the successes that I've done. And I don't even have to worry about the work that needs to be done in front of me. And in that moment, I want to celebrate my success. And I want to allow myself to, to sit in the emotion of being successful. Now, I really believe that if you do those types of things, and I, I suppose if we're going to add more to it, is, is then how do I do that? You know, you could do the thing that I've done with my client, you know, create uh, an emotional experience. It might be that the day I get to 2KG, I'm going to put my favorite music on. I'm going to put nice warm clothes or go somewhere really beautiful and write a poem about it that makes me feel really cool. You know, so there's almost like this, this celebration ritual that you create around the success that you go to. And then when you get that 2kg, then at the end of that success, you go, okay, now when am I going to plan my next praise moment? But you can even do it on smaller levels. It's that whole, you know, write a journal every night where you just think of three things you've done well. And when you do it, don't put resistance around it. Allow yourself to own it. Again, I, I fundamentally believe one of the biggest reasons people struggle with exercise is because they are just too hard on themselves and they have hugely unrealistic expectations around what they should be, what they should be achieving, and even when they achieve them, they don't allow themselves to own the great work they've done. And when you don't allow yourself to do that, and all you're thinking is, yeah, but... I believe that's shifting you towards bad behaviours, the behaviours that pull you away from what you ultimately want to be. 
And if you're listening to this right now, and you know, and you know I'm talking to you, and you know, if you know, if, if, if this is if this is you, if I'm in your ears right now, and you know this is you, this is a great era of your life to start to develop yourself in. Now I've I've suggested some things today. I've come up with some some ways for you to start this process. There'll be plenty others. There'll be more. There'll be things you'll discover. There'll be things you'll be able to do that can help you allow yourself to see your successes. But I ultimately believe, I, I fundamentally believe, that if you can become good at allowing yourself to see your successes, to own them, and to not then reinforce what is wrong for you through that experience, the chances of you being successful increases massively. And ultimately, you become that better version of yourself. Right, guys, uh, that's the main gist of today's show done and dusted. I, I hopefully you got some stuff to think about through there. It was, um, yeah, hopefully uh, I, I really believe in this stuff. I really do, and I think it's definitely something that is actually needs to be developed. It's not just something that you need to think, oh, I'll allow myself. It is actually to to spend time becoming better in this area. I've got I've got one email I'm going to respond to, but I, I actually got something I, thought I want to share, um, some thoughts on on something that. Uh, oh, where do I start? Uh, don't worry, it's it's not big. <laughs> it sounded like I was going to go. Turns out, no, it's not big at all. Um, I, I got asked an email a couple months ago on the podcast, and I can't remember which show it was. And it was the the basic question was, how do you find your passion in life? And and I did that, and it's a question I get a lot from a lot of people: is, is how do you find your passion? And I remember I, I did the show, and, and after the fact, I was a little bit disappointed in my answer. I don't think I really shared shared any insight. I, I think the answers I gave was very much, you know, well, what did you love when you were a kid, and uh, what do you, what are your drivers, and things like that. And you know, those types of questions will always help. Um, but one thing I've been thinking about lately, which is is probably not going to be a great answer to that question either. Um, you know, like a, a, you know, how do you how do you define your passion? Uh, and and ultimately, I wonder if deep down we all know what our passion is already. Like I I wonder if deep down if it was it's interesting. I listen to this, I'm listening to this crazy book right now. It's called Radical Honesty. It's by this guy called um, a friend of mine called Robbie. Uh, sent me through a link to an article written about this guy called what is it? It's Brad uh, Blanton and Brad Blanton very much. <laughs> very, very much promotes the concept of honesty to an extreme level. Like he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks and doesn't care about any social etiquette or anything. He actually he he he's a, a PhD in uh, I can't remember if it's psychology, but something like that. And uh, and he fundamentally believes that the biggest problems in society are just the fact that we are so dishonest really about what we truly feel and and he promotes this concept of radical honesty and it's an extreme honesty it's you know he'll tell you what he thinks and uh and obviously there's probably some good sides to that and there's obviously some things that maybe we don't want to hear but we need to be heard 
And the book, I'll be honest, the book's all over the place. I don't think he had a very good editor. It's, um, it's a bit messy. It's a bit kind of not the best written book. But at the same time, there's some real gems in there, you know, like this, it's the kind of the way it's written and, 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 and I'm really, I'm listening to audiobook and he reads it himself and he's, he's not a very good reader and, um, he has these kind of strange pauses at time and you can hear him changing the page. So it's, it's pretty poor form, but, uh, but while I'm not necessarily, it's not the the best written book of all time, there are some, definitely some gems in there and there are some, some thoughts that are coming through. And there's one statement he said to me, uh, well, they didn't say to me, we did because I was listening to his book, but uh, there's one statement that really kind of hit me. And uh, wait a second, I'm going to pause and come back with it. Wait a second. And I'm back. That's the magic of podcasting. I've been away for about five minutes and now I'm back and I've got my laptop in front of me and I'm, uh, wait a second, where's the, where's the statement? It says, I wrote it down because I thought it was quite good. Uh, the stress that kills or cripples most of the population comes from people being hard on themselves when they don't lift up to their own imaginings about what other people think, how, uh, sorry, about how other people think they should behave. I'm going to read, read that again. The stress that kills or cripples most of the population comes from people being too hard on themselves when they don't live up to their own imaginings about how other people think they should behave. Uh, what do you mean there? I suppose for me what I took from that was... Um, that a lot of people are spending their lives trying to present themselves or or fit a mold around what they should that what they think other people will think are important to them or are important and so they try to present themselves to the world in that way and um and and that, that, that statement really got me thinking uh where am I going with this? I suppose this is the question I have right now, but uh, is that whole idea of, are you compromising finding your passion because you're trying to present yourself to the world in a way that actually isn't true to you? Are you compromising? Are you trying to be, are you putting a lot of energy in your life trying to fit a mold that you think the world needs to see you in? And, and and the interesting the the bit I liked about it was the whole idea of imagining. You're imagining, you know, you're imagining that this is how the world wants to see me. Now, what is the compromise of you doing that? Like again, ultimately, do you really know your passion? Do you really know your passion? Do do you do you need some guy on a podcast to tell you what your passion is? And if you were free to be yourself. Would you be moving towards that? And maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you don't know your passion. Maybe you've you've never known a passion in your life, and um, maybe there's some discovery that needs to come with that. And maybe some of the advice I gave last time will help you. But maybe you do. The thing, the thing I wonder is, is what are the things that you think you have to give up to have the passion in your life? You know, if we think of material things, you know, it's it's interesting, and I think I talked about this in the show before, but the whole idea of once you get to a certain age, sacrificing a level of lifestyle was harder. Like I'm 30, turned 37, I turned 37 a couple of weeks ago, um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've got a life I like. I, um, I don't work too much, I work from home, I've got a lovely home, I've got a lovely partner, um, 
and I'm in a band and I love my band. But I don't want to, I wouldn't want to give up my life for my band. And it's funny, I've got a guy in my band, a guy called Dave, and Dave's this young or well, twenty seven, so he's ten years younger than me and and he loves music, like and he's an amazing musician. Like I feel fortunate to have someone who to be playing with music of a guy who's so talented. And um and uh for him, he is willing to give up everything. But my life's a bit different now and, and I'm fortunate because I have the passions anyway, so it's a different kind of comparison. But maybe you do know what your passion is, but maybe the bigger hurdles are what would I be willing to sacrifice to have my passions? Interesting questions to explore. If I were to stop chasing the need to create something that I'm not to, to please my world, which may not even be realistic. And if I were to look at what I what I would have to compromise to have a life full of passion, like, would you want a life that was absolutely passion-filled, you know, where you just felt like every moment was was amazing, but you had to live in a flat in a bad part of town? Would you be willing to do that? And I suppose that's one of those questions around this whole passion thing is A, deep down do I know what it is and do I need to actually shift some of my energy and instead of trying to create a picture of myself to the world that's not really that, that important to me and then put that energy into moving to, back towards my passions or, or moving towards my passions and B, am I willing to make the compromise it, has, it takes for me to have this life? I don't have any answers here for this one, guys. I, th- I thought I'd just chuck it out there and um, hopefully you get something from it. Hopefully it makes you think. Let me know what you think. I um, I know that's very confrontational and I kind of wanted to do that. I got an email from... Now let me pull this up. I got an email here from a person. I don't know if it's a lady or a man. Let's have a look. A Griffin and it's uh, Adele Griffin and she's a personal trainer and an educational advisor in Auckland in New Zealand and uh, she just sent me an email, actually I got it this morning, I said do you mind if I if I read on the podcast because I'm recording today and she said no, no worries and uh, basically uh, this person uh, Adele is, is shifted from working from education from being a teacher into personal training uh, recently, and it seemed like she had a pretty successful career in education, and uh, she just decided she wanted to change. And this is someone who's made that, that change towards a passion, and she's absolutely loving it. And she listened to last month's podcast, which was the one which was around the whole concept of uh, what what picture are you creating for your world, uh, or how does your world see you? What box do they put you in? And she was saying it's been a really interesting experience as she's moved towards fitness because. Um, she loves it. She finds it a really positive, rewarding job. Um, she's, you know, she, she enjoys being in the world. She feels she's adding a lot of value to uh, the people she works with, which is something I'm sure most of you who are in fitness probably understand. And what she's found interesting is this whole concept of the box that people are putting her in. And and in the show, I think I, she's got here. What a second! Uh, in the show, you asked the question. Uh, you asked a question that came from about when you catch up with friends and family what do they go to straight away when they ask you or when they start a conversation what's their go-to question when people think about you when they come up to you and she's found it really a little bit frustrating that all the questions that she seems to get right now is 
around money and business and being a personal trainer. And she finds it a little bit frustrating because she feels she's doing such great work and uh, and she wants to let the world know that you know the impact she's having with the people she's working with. But the go-to place is always, well, how's your money going? How's, you know, how's the business going? And so she's got here, um, I know that I change people's thoughts around the con- in the conversation, but it will often swing back to, uh, well, this is how you get clients or this is how you can make a bit more money. This has been a topic of conversation with my friends in the last year, but now I want to change it around. I'm a very good listener and I'm good at making the conversations about everything and anything important to the person or people I am talking to. So my question to you is, do you have any advice or examples that you may be able to compare to in this situation? And so I suppose what she's asking is... um, How, what's a higher level way that you can address the, the box that people are putting you in? And I suppose that, that, that is a really tough one. You know, like it is interesting how people are always interested in the money side of things and um, and uh, and you're wanting to shift that. And, uh, and, and ultimately, I, I suppose it comes, you know, speaking of radical honesty, is it seems that what you are doing is you're using your communication skills in a way to shift conversations so you know I might come up to you and go how's business going and, and you'll you'll kind of shift the conversation towards a place where it's it's actually getting me to focus on the good work you're doing with your clients but maybe one thing that you could work on within yourself is how can you be honest that you don't really care for that to be the conversation now that's a much harder thing to do but to actually go to someone and um and say I would much rather focus on the conversation being about, you know, the impact I'm having on the lives of the people I'm working with. And it's really interesting. If I go back to last month's show and the client that I was working with who we we really done some big progress on here, there was a few conversations that she talked about where she actually kind of just said to the people, I'm trying to move on from this area. And a part of me doing that is you learning to not think of that as the way to go to this conversation and she said that it actually really helped her because those people stopped doing that but another thing that really came up at that time which was interesting was that her doing that allowed them to open up about their problems a little bit more so it kind of opened up different doors and probably a deeper level of communication that wasn't possible and I think maybe the challenge for you Adele is to really think about um is actually just taking the conversation to that next level and maybe just kind of saying, actually, I don't care to, you know, finding the right way and, and, you know, maybe you need to be delicate with the people when you do this. Um, But you could just let them know, you know what, my business is doing really well. And to be honest, I'd much rather talk about, you know, the work that I'm doing to help people. And, you know, again, you might need to think about the best way to do that. But if you could do it in a really upfront way, I doubt that these people will come back to you with the same types of questions. I, I you know, you you know, they'll probably come back to you with, oh, you know, how how you how's the helping people going? And I think the probably the challenge for you is to really think about how can you get yourself to the place where you're comfortable to have those conversations. And um, yeah, because I do think that 
the clearer we can be around you know how things affect us. You know, so you've asked what are examples from my life. Well, I am, but like that, I am really much like there's a level of um, there. I am the guy who will say something if it needs to be said. Um, I will say the uncomfortable thing. It doesn't always even have to be uncomfortable, but I am going to say, you know what? I'd much rather talk about this thing if that was the case. And uh, and I, so I suppose the two things is I suppose my point to my my point here is um, to try to find a deeper level of honesty around what you what you're experiencing, and then trying to find a way that you can communicate that that it really lets them know that actually you don't care to go down this path in this conversation, you'd much rather focus on these things over here. I hope that helps. Let me let me know. I, I really hope it helps. Um, anyway, guys, that's pretty much this month's show. Um, well, to be honest, I'm going to be back soon because once the book's launched, I'm going to do another podcast. And I'm going to share um, an interesting thought around uh, how a guy who basically could never spell ended up writing a book. So that should probably be coming out in the next week or so. I'm going to go up to Auckland to do some PR work around the book. So I'll probably get it done when I'm up in Auckland. And, um, and you know, it's probably this one be a bit more of a personal kind of experience, but that's the case. And then hopefully after that, I might have Gilbert Anoka and I'm really looking forward to getting him on the show because this guy is, you know, he works with high performers and, and, you know, the highest of the high performers, the All Blacks are the most successful sports team in the world. And the last two years, they've lost, maybe in the last three years, they've only lost one game. You know, they're, they're one of the most successful sporting teams in the world. And how does somebody who has the best help them get better? And hopefully, um, if I can get Gilbert on, you know, September-ish, or sorry, October-ish, um, hopefully here we have to share some really great tools for you know for us everyday people to think about how we can become better. So look out for that. Uh, also, when the book comes out, please again, if you're gonna get it, get it early, and also just spread the word. You know, like if I've ever helped you at all, I'd really appreciate a bit of kind of pay it forward by helping me spread the word about the book. So anyway, uh, that's this month's show. Send me an email, bevanjames at gmail.com, and uh, you guys rock. I'll see you guys soon.